Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Robert Sophia, CEO of Snappy Kraken. Snappy Kraken is a well-known platform in the advisor community for helping advisors market their business through social media and other venues. And with that, here's my interview with Robert. Robert, thanks for taking time today. Hello, Jason. Thank you for yours. Oh, pleasure. So, Robert Sophia, Snappy Kraken. Tell us about Snappy Kraken. Well, I don't even know where to begin, Jason. Snappy Kraken's my baby. You know, we we started it in 2016. Myself and two gentlemen who I worked with for many years and respected highly. Uh, they actually ran a creative agency that served my last company. We had such good alignment. We saw an opportunity. And we said, let's build this this thing together. And uh, it's been a rocket ship ever since. And and in the last. I guess it's been really since we launched, it was late 2016. So it's been roughly six years. We have grown to 6,000 advisors and hundreds of financial enterprises and over 120 employees. And we're having a blast. Excellent. Well, (laughs) having fun along the way. So talking about the origin, like what was the kind of aha moment that made you realize that there was an opportunity? Opportunity in this market, and what was that opportunity? Yeah, well, you know, originally my business was serving advisors, and I've been serving advisors for almost twenty years. I started out in a practice as the VP, doing everything from placing trades to marketing. Discovered that my love really was in marketing, and in two thousand nine, launched my first marketing consulting firm for advisors. And I scaled that up to serving about eight hundred advisors at its peak, and it was a good business, but it was all services. We did everything from scratch. We designed everything in Adobe software for every advisor one-to-one. And that was good in many respects, but it didn't scale. And what we noticed was over time, technology had expanded to a point where we could accomplish a lot, a lot more, in fact, for advisors at scale with technology. And I realized that I really had a choice to make. Either I was going to continue to run a services business, or I was going to start a technology company. And the choice became clear because I saw the technology as the future and a way to grow much more. And and we've grown much, much more. I mean, we were six times the size and a fraction of the time I invested in that company. So it really does show that we were on the right track. But the vision was this. This was the opportunity. Financial advisors offer tremendous value. They can do so much for people, but most don't know about them. And most advisors aren't marketers. It's not what they got in this business for. They got in this business because they love time. They're terrible marketers. (laughs) Well, that that is one perspective, and you know many would would agree agree with you on that point. (laughs) But regardless of whether they're terrible or just not good, just don't know anything about it. They needed help. And so if we can help advisors serve more people with financial planning, that means better outcomes for everyone people they're serving, the advisors, and the technology that empowers them to do that. And that's what we get out of bed for every day. Yeah. I mean, two things. A, all I've yet to meet an advisor who said, no, no, I don't need more growth. They're always looking for it. And there's there's expensive shortcuts like acquiring other books of business. But this industry is at a really tough time in understanding or at least wrapping their head around organic marketing and, and bringing people in through that. So, so having tools like yours is definitely, which we'll get into the function of, of how you do that, shortly is incredibly valuable. And, and then, like you said, you know, they didn't get in the business to be marketers. I like to always discuss with clients or with, with other advisors, the artist dilemma. You know, an artist gets into art to be an artist. And unfortunately, Van Gogh died penniless. And Picasso died the richest 
artist ever lived. And the key differential, besides maybe one was crazy than the other, was that Picasso knew how to market and sell himself. And that was that made all the difference in the world. So unfortunately, you know, more of us, more of us are Van Goghs than we are Picassos in this business. So talk to me about how you solve this, this problem. How are you scaling marketing for advisors effectively? Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways that we do it, but I'll tell you first of all, most advisors don't think about growth and scaling correctly. What they think is. I just need more leads. How can I get more leads? But what's really interesting about that problem is number one, of the entire base of leads that you could get, even if you buy them from somebody that sells leads, statistics show only 3% of them are really ready to do business right now. So that means 97% of the market is either not problem aware yet, or not solution aware yet, or not trusting you yet or just aren't ready yet because they haven't had a life event or they're not qualified or whatever. We really help advisors maximize that 97% because most of them have contact that could be clients, but they're not nurturing them properly. Most of them have old databases from work they've done that they're not nurturing properly. Most of them have lots of opportunities they're not thinking about. Most of them aren't expanding on the existing client relationships to generate systematic referrals consistently. Most of them aren't expanding on existing client relationships to tap into other opportunities that might exist inside of those relationships to even increase share of wallet that they haven't thought about. There's so many things that they're just not thinking about. And so what we do is we say, okay, the advisor's at the center of all this. This is a relationship business. How do we amplify the advisor? How do we help them create relationships and build relationships and earn trust and credibility at scale. Because you can't be everywhere all at once. You can't do everything all at once. You can't be an advisor and be a marketer full-time. So how do we use technology and content? Those are the two things, technology and content to build relationships at scale to get that entire 97% of the opportunity moving through their pipeline. So whether they're ready now or ready next month or ready in five years, that we're there. And that's what our technology and content empowers advisors to do. So they ultimately end up with much more opportunity than they're accustomed to having. Excellent. And it's so true. I mean, too often we are so caught up in the moment of either success or rejection, right? And failing to realize the absolute truth, which is, yeah, I'm not going to buy a burger from someone unless I'm hungry, right? Like that's the reality of it. They're the simplest example. And that person's either not aware, not ready. It's not the right, you know, they haven't had that one moment in time that says, I need help that would help drive into that decision. So, so the nurturing is, as you said, and you said your advisors think about this wrong, the nurturing is where everybody's fallen down and, and nurturing with valued content is, is exactly where most people have done, uh, have fallen down and think about even ourselves. How many times do we get marketed newsletters from companies and that when they're effective and you ask yourself, okay, I managed to buy something now, how many times was I contacted prior to that before I actually executed, right? And at the end of the day, it's, it's going to happen when I want it on my timeline, not when the vendor does. So effective. So you pretty much offer kind of a end-to-end lead gen funnel to some degree. Can you talk to me about, let's just say that I am someone who is not aware of an advisor's value proposition. I come across them online. Where would I come across them? How do I get captured? How do I get nurtured? What am I receiving? What does that look like? Yeah. And all of those initial activities, they also matter. And you just mentioned some of them. How do you get noticed? How do you capture? And and we're not just nurturing. We have to do that too. And that's where there are a lot of factors that come together. uh, Just a few examples. Website. How is it used? How do you generate organic traffic to your website? How are you leveraging search engines? to optimize for traffic. And then once they get there, how are you converting? 
So what is the on-page conversion opportunities that you're creating? Most advisors just have a subscribe to my newsletter thing on their website. But see, our customers, they'll have strong, what we call irresistible offers on their website with simple, low-friction opt-ins that include email, text message, text me your questions right now, simple things like that to get people into their database because your contact list is your most powerful asset. So your, your contact list is the thing that is going to become all your future business. So we, we really try to get them out in front of the right audiences. We do that through advertising. We do that through SEO. We do that through any other channel they have. We help them maximize it. For example, if they do radio or podcasting or television, we give them lead magnets that they can use and say, call in or go to this page or text this word to this place to get this thing. And all those top of funnel activities are just designed to get them in. And so we have a lot of ways we help them do that. Then once we get them in, now we have to build trust and credibility. And that's where we use what we call indoctrination sequences, indoc sequences. They're, they're text message-based, they're email-based. They outreach at various times in very natural feeling, organic ways, similar to how we are used to communicating with people, not just newsletters. I'm talking about like personalized emails that feel like the advisor just wrote it or a text message that feels like the advisor just sent it from their phone. But we automate it. And we des- we're, they're designed to move people through the funnel build trust and credibility. Sometimes we include videos. So like we have a eight part nurturing sequence that every website opt-in will go through. And at the end, they get a video from the advisor as well. That's an example, personal message. Now, all of that is pre-built. It's designed to feel one-to-one, but it's actually one-to-many. So it can be running all the time in the background. And then the goal of that is to trigger conversations. And so every time we're, we're sending out that content, we're looking for those right times to make withdrawals. You could say every message we send, it's either a deposit or a withdrawal. If you're giving value, it's a deposit. If you're asking for them to take action, it's a withdrawal. So we don't always ask for withdrawals. That gets market to marketing need. But we we make lots of deposits, build value, educate, and then we make withdrawals. And those conversation starters are designed to get the advisor to either have some responses in their inbox or some forms submitted for requests for meetings or meetings directly calendared through a tool like TimeTrade or Calendly. And that whole thing I just described, all of that is linked together. It's all built into campaigns that we've already created. We don't just have one funnel. We actually have over 100 different funnels, all different topics for all different audiences. And they're all designed to move people through that sequence from cold to gold, as we call it. Cold to gold. I like that. So talk to me about these these different uh, funnels that you've developed. So are you specifically niche marketing to specific types or how have you micro sliced the market to, uh, to appeal to them? Yeah, actually, we have a few different types of marketing funnels. I use that term loosely. We call them campaigns and for different audiences and for different purposes. So everything when it comes to marketing is contextual. You would never send the same type of communication to a cold prospect that you would send to a warm client relationship. One would be much more personal. So most advisors just have one list and they send everything to everybody. Everybody gets my newsletter. Well, that is not personal. That is not going to resonate in the same way with people. So we, we, we break it out first of all by audience. So we have, when it comes to audience, you know, we've got clients and prospects and we've got different niches. So business owners, people going through divorce, employees of technology companies, people with families, Gen X, Gen Y, physicians, pre-retirees, you get the idea. Then those are the audiences, but then there's the action. What do we want them to to do? What is the goal of this campaign? Is it to get an opt-in, get a subscription? That would be like social posts and ads, or is it to earn contacts? Is it uh, to, I'm sorry, rather to build credibility? 
or to start a conversation or to deepen an existing relationship. So it's it's those two things together. So when you go on our, into Snappy Crack and define campaigns you want to use, you really can choose based on two things. It's who is the audience and what is the goal? And when you know the audience and the goal, that means the content is going to be relevant and that drives performance. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the one hot button issue that basically is going to trigger their contact. I mean, one of them, one of my favorite questions and one that was, I think Stephanie Bogan tweeted about it about a month ago was what brought you here today? Like, what is the thing that made today the day that you reached out to a financial advisor? Because it's not just because you said to yourself, hey, I'll just, you know, you know, I got nothing better to do with my time. It's because something important happened in your life. So the question is, what is that? And you're you're just trying to trigger that and find that thing that that is going to make them convert, which is exactly what needs to happen. So well done. So talk to me about the use of text. Now, I think this was a feature that you've added in the last 12 months, if I'm not mistaken. So what led to this decision and what were you trying to accomplish with it? And what's the actual like metrics behind it showing it works? Yeah. Well, it is. We, we launched back in October. We launched only for our existing clients and RIAs only. What's the equivalent of an RIA in Canada, by the way? Is it uh, ICPM, but there's a ch- regulatory burdens are different. Long yeah. story. <laughs> well, I, I knew yeah. that. And that's why when I said RIA, I was like, that might not be relevant. So thought, I thought I'd let you translate. So um, right. we, we only launched for one segment. We're of global. Market. Yeah. And here's the need. First of all, from regulatory perspective, text messages have to be monitored and archived and you can't that doesn't happen for your your supervision by using your phone to text people that's one thing that drives it the other thing that drives it is this if you wanted to send a text to every one of your clients from your phone you're going to have a nightmare on your hands because you're going to have to open up every contact and send a text or you're going to send a group text and they're all going to hate you so we wanted to create a way oh and by the way you're also going to be shackled to your phone forever And it's going to be going off like crazy. So we wanted to create a way that an advisor could, number one, send a broadcast message to all of their clients or all of their prospects individually, one-to-one. So you write it once and everybody receives it from you once. So it feels direct, but you only pressed one button to send it to 10,000 or 1,000 or 100, whatever. Problem number one solved. Problem number two, we wanted to create a way for them to manage all those conversations. That's why it's called convos because now you've got... All of a sudden, you got 100 people texting you back. How do you very seamlessly and quickly have 100 conversations? Well, it doesn't work on your phone. So we created a special dashboard for this, where as they come in, you can see the conversations, click back, click through them and respond, even copy and paste responses or use pre-created responses to respond. You can even set up th- flows. So automatic responses to various types of messages. And that's really the third thing, automation. So if somebody opts into text through your website, like if you say, hey, text me a question, they can text uh, on your website as a call to action. They text you a question. You say, hey, great question. Thank you so much for asking. Would you prefer that I respond by text or would you rather meet or talk on the phone? Now that response is canned. It's pre-created, but they don't know that. It feels like you responded, right? And then they can say, I'd rather talk on the phone. Well, now based on how they respond, now it can go great, let's book something, shoot them your calendar. Or it can say, happy to have a text conversation. By the way, I'm doing this on the fly. I don't have all these in front of me, something like this. And then when it says, okay, happy to have a conversation by text, now the advisor can get a notification. Hey, somebody's trying to text with you live right now, or their assistant can through the dashboard. So this is where we're trying to enable real-time authentic communication in a way that scales for the advisor. And that, that was how why we turned to it. And when it comes to data, the data is there from not just our platform, but all over the place. I mean, the response rate 
on a call to action on a web page or a landing page for a text message versus an email opt-in is twice as good. It's 200% better. And then when it comes to just consumers, what they're saying, like, do you want to be able to text your financial advisor? It's like 70, it's either 72, 74, 78%, somewhere in there is saying, yes, I'd rather be able to text my advisor. There's, and I don't have these, this data in front of me, but they're good questions. Go look up the studies. Somewhere around 65% of consumers will try to text a phone number for a company. And usually those aren't text enabled. They'll just get a response back that it's a landline. Well, now if somebody texts your company number, you're going to get notified. You're going to, so these are all ways to create opportunities to engage with people in the way they want to be engaged with and meet them where they are. And that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I actually got a work specific or dedicated text line specifically for work was just to be able to have these conversations. And it's proven highly effective and a a preferred means of communication for many clients. And I think also the the data I've seen as well on this, it's like the read rate on text is like in the high nineties compared to email. So I get why you did it. I I mean, it's it's impossible to replicate that anywhere else thus far from what we can see. 98%. 98% open and read rate. It's crazy. Yep. That is that is insane. There's nothing else that touches it. So more recently, you recently went through an acquisition. Uh, you picked up uh, a company called Advisor Websites, which was the which was previously a guest on the podcast way back in April of 2019. So if anyone wants to check out that episode, it's episode 64. Talk to me about the logic and, and thinking about why you went in that direction and what you plan to do with it, if you can speak to that. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll I'll keep some things to myself, but mostly I'm open about it. The primary reasons were, number one, to serve the market better. We've been doing marketing for a long time, but no matter how well you market for an advisor, when people bounce off of their marketing communications, an email, an ad, a social post, and they go over to their website, their website is garbage, your great marketing fails. Doesn't matter how good you market it because they go to the website, the, the advisor loses credibility and they lose the opportunity. So we knew the only way to truly serve advisors was to also help them with their branding and websites. Because then not only are they going to have great marketing, but they're going to have a great web presence. And that extends to their social profiles and other things, the video that we produce for them, the copywriting we do for them, just getting advisors to a place where everything they do looks good, builds credibility, earns earns trust. That's the number one reason. The number two reason is a business reason. I mean, they had a website company. We had a marketing company. They had thousands of clients. We had thousands of clients. We served the same clients, but we only had about 5% overlap. And they had talent and strengths that we didn't have. We had talent and strengths they didn't have. So ultimately by doing this, we were doubling our client base, almost doubling our employee headcount, and definitely doubling our opportunity because now we can get their website customers on marketing and our marketing customers on websites. And so our plans are to create one seamless branding, website, and marketing experience that is of the very best quality available in the industry, but still price accessible. That's our, in a nutshell, that's our plan. And from a business perspective, the goal would be over time to cross-sell 100% of our customers into both of our products. Well, with only a 10% overlap, that's quite the opportunity on cross-selling. So uh, I can see the definite appeal there. And as for you know your statement, it makes 
perfect sense. I mean, you're, you're out there generating all this content that then basically gets dumped into in something you didn't control in the value proposition, in the value chain, right? So at least now you're going to be able to, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're and I'm going to ask about this in a second, if your metrics were good before, getting that last mile taken care of is only going to help increase that. So a lot of logic there. So speaking of metrics, share with me some of your success stories. You know, talk to me about how you've helped grow advisors' businesses and what that's looked like. We actually... We collect success stories. That's our that's our driving that's our driving force. If you go to snappycracken.com, you'll see we have a whole page. It just it says it says success stories right on the top, and you can go in there. And we got audio recordings and emails and and links to case studies and all that stuff. And it's our purpose. Our purpose is to grow advisors. So we 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 love those, and we've got thousands of them. That being said, the data matters too. And you know when you actually look at the data. We're actually in the process of surveying all of our advisors at the broad company with, with advisor websites and Snappy Kraken right now. But last year, just for example, when we did the survey, 94.8% of our members said we helped them grow business. And of those 94.8%, when we asked them, how much of your business do you attribute to the work you did with Snappy Kraken? They, they said 30.9% of their revenue growth was attributed to us. So when you think about the fact that 94.8, almost 95% of our members said we helped them grow, and the average of that growth they attributed to us was 30%, and that's massive for us. That's that's like saying we, we drove a 30% income increase for all these advisors or a growth opportunity. And the other thing I think is really neat is that our advisors are very growth-oriented. So we asked them, you know, do you expect 2022 to be another great year of growth for your firm? And 99% of them said yes. You know, so we're working with these advisors who are optimistic, growth-oriented, actually growing, and building a community around that. In fact, we just launched a community for our members last year that's uh, uh, in its infancy, but a lot of potential for collaboration. And, and all of those things just speak to what we're trying to do, which is do better marketing for advisors so they can do more of what they're great at and serve people. And that's, you know, we're achieving that. Yeah. I mean, one in three of their leads came from came from your uh, your platform or almost one in three. That is that is a remarkable statistic. So talk to me about the onboarding process for an advisor. You know, what is the time commitment? How much effort do they have to put into in, in, in a, on, a, on a weekly basis? Because you did say a lot of things about automation. And so how much of it is on them? How much of it is just provided? Yeah, I have to answer this question purely from a snappy Kraken perspective, because when we're building out a whole new member journey for people who are customers of both companies and the time involved to build the website and do the branding, that's a whole separate thing. But purely from a marketing perspective, we ask them to commit four hours in the first month to get everything set up because we got to brand things to them. We got to get their email signatures in there. We got to get their DNS settings configured so their emails actually get delivered. We've got to educate them about how to use the platform. And that just, it takes a few hours. Now, some people get in and they're like, so tech savvy, 30 minutes are off to the races. But we tell them to allow four hours. After that, we ask them for one hour a month. That's it. We create a marketing strategy. Every month we release it. It includes all the content frameworks that they need, all the instructions. We have webinars that educate them on it, but we ask them to dedicate an hour. And that's to go in and just set everything up, set up their campaigns and get them ready to launch. So really four hours the first month, an hour a month after that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, first off, four hours to onboard any new software. That is, I'm going to call that a very low threshold for anything other than say, 
a single calendar in Calendly. Like that is four hours is, is not a big deal for anyone looking on board who's been through it before. Secondly, one hour a month. I'm sorry, if you can't spare one hour a month to market your business online, you have other concerns with your business growth. So if you're telling me one, in, one hour a month translates into one of three leads closed per year, that is wonderful trade-off. So yeah, well done. So before we wrap up, there's three questions that I ask everybody to end on a positive note and get you thinking to surprise you with these. So first question I have for you is if you had one wish for something you can change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Boy, that is a loaded question because that stops people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. Cause it's one thing. I mean, I got like a hundred things. I mean, it's pretty simple for me. I've got two companies I'm integrating right now and I can't snap my fingers and, and have them completely integrated into one unified organization with one unified advisor experience, there are silos right now. And I'm trying to fix that. We're actively engaged in an integration to fix that. But that is definitely my biggest priority for our company right now. And I think that will impact the industry because other companies and solutions advisors have to use aren't unified either. So we're really, that's it. If I could snap my fingers and do all the work we're going to be doing over the next six months in a day, that would be it. It's not well, profound, it but it's profound for me. <laughs> well, no, but I think it's, it's. I mean, to have the vision for what you, what the end state is and, you know, being at the near beginning of that journey. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm sure you, you see the baby to want growing into the adult that you want it to grow into and, uh, right. and, and you know where it's going to go. So I'm not surprised. What's been the single biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? Change, change. The world is changing so fast. Technology mm. is changing so fast. Just for example, you have a whole Facebook advertising program and they change the algorithm all the time or mm -hmm. Apple's new privacy laws. And all of a sudden you can't see the data you used to be able to see. And, and all those changes that happen, even, even in the, uh, the political and economic environment, I'll, I'll give you an example. Right before that tragic school shooting in Olvedi, Texas, we had just prepared an email to go out to everybody for our members to load up and send to their clients. <clears throat> and I, I think the title was something like everything is going to be fine. It was related to, it was like some optimism around the market and the economy, long-term mm -hmm. thinking. And it actually had a picture of like ch young children on it. Well, it was the mm -hmm. day before the shooting happened. And, and we, had, we had this thing just deployed and it was absolutely suddenly completely tone deaf and wrong for the environment. Now that's a small example of a content decision that had to be made quickly. We had to pull it. We had to change the imagery. We had to adjust the language. Now, you can't send that out because it's not relevant when the nation is grieving. You have to rethink it. Now, that type of thing happens all the time. It's not just the news. I mean, when there's a pandemic, when there's a, a new war that starts, when there's a, a change in, in one of these big tech companies process, it affects our business. It affects advisors' businesses. And we have had to be very, very nimble. And when you're going down a path and everything changes, you got to immediately adjust that is that is very challenging, and it's something that challenges us every day. No, no doubt. I mean, I think uh, I will specifically say the intersection of technology and communication, public communication, is a particularly challenging one. Like you just stated, you know, whether it be an internal decision to a company or whether it be a global event, that, that, those ripples hit you. So that is uh, that is yeah, change. No kidding. Uh, I can see why that's a challenge. Then the last question I have for you is: Look, um, you know, entrepreneurship, as I like to say, is like the most bipolar thing you can ever do to yourself, right? It's it's got its highs and its lows, and it's going to distress you. What excites you and keeps you going every morning to get out of bed? and keep on fighting good fight. I'm a builder. I'm a creator at heart. My, my family, they were artists and craftsmen. My mother 
still paints. My father sculpts. They can build anything. We grew up rehabbing old houses. Built, I did with my dad going to work with him in the summers. You know, I built wrought iron fences and waterfalls. He just could build anything. I didn't go that way. I'm not a blue collar guy from a secular work perspective. I still do my home improvement projects and stuff for fun, but I'm a creator at heart, just like my family. And so for me, what gets me out of bed every day is when I can do bigger, better, new things for my company that benefit my employees and my clients. That's it. Like I am, I could, the minute my company has achieved its most and it becomes purely operations of the existing structures, I'm out, I'm done. Like if I, if I don't have something to strive for and build and do, I'm not excited. If I don't have a new project, something exciting to build and do, I'm not excited. And that's it. As long as we're getting better and building new things, I'm getting out of bed and coming to work fired up. Let me add one other thing that you should be proud of and happy about because uh, this is something I tell the many people in the advisor marketing space is that if you can help, if every family you help land in the lap of the right advisor is one family whose lives you made significantly better. So good on you and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Jason. That means a lot. And you know, I'll tell you just one more small piece of data. Through the advisors on our platform, we have reached eight. 0.6 million families in the last year with financial education. And if you look at the financial literacy problem out there, mm-hmm. you know, that's something else we think about. Like we're not just selling marketing to advisors. That's a very uh, mundane way to think about it. We are helping advisors better businesses, which better their lives and better their families and better their employees' lives. And then we're giving meaningful education to their clients and their public that they're marketing to, to the tune of, of millions of people every year. And uh, that means something too. So we, I appreciate your saying that because it does resonate. Absolutely. Robert, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason. So that was uh, Robert Sophia, CEO of Snappy Kraken. If you're an advisor in the market for a tool to help you grow your business, one in three leads in a month, which is fantastic. By all means, I encourage you to check out Snappy Kraken. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever is your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.